Good Friday afternoon, guys. I'm Jerry Miller, and this is the I Love Seville Show. It's great to be, be with you on a Friday afternoon. We are uh, live on the first day of September, Judah, yep. 2023, in our studio in downtown Charlottesville on Market Street. Today's program is going to be the, uh, the 2023 version of Charlottesville and Central Virginia's newspaper. You take a newspaper with a front page, a sports section, a politics section, a lifestyle section, an entertainment section, a sports section, which I already said, (laughs) and you'll see what we're trying to do. We're trying to recreate the newspaper, but do it in a way where legacy media is not doing it. It's, It's no longer done with $50 paywalls and newspapers delivered through the postal service to your driveway. How it's done today is news on smartphones through video and audio content published and streamed through social media channels where we all live within and spend our time upon. If you don't know this yet, I think you're going to be surprised by this. The Atlantic Coast Conference and its presidents, Jim Ryan and his colleagues, have voted to expand the conference. Cal... Stanford, and Southern Methodist University are coming to the ACC. I want to talk about this not only from a sports standpoint, but from an economic development standpoint, from an anthropology and sociology standpoint, and from what this is going to do to you and I in our future moving forward within the region, Central Virginia, and within the jurisdictions, Elmore County and Charlottesville, Virginia. We're going to talk Amazon Web Services. I let you know yesterday, an $11 billion with a B investment into Louisa County. I touched base with uh, two supervisors in Louisa County, um, including, uh, well, I won't say say their names. You may have seen uh, one of them on this program in the past. Amazon Web Services is going to be one of the largest private sector employers in Louisa, with hundreds of new jobs to be created. The expectation is also a number of auxiliary or jobs associated with this investment also created, not just in Louisa, but in surrounding counties. I'll let you know what I'm hearing from those who approved this, who encouraged this, who fostered this business development. On today's program, I want to talk about the impact of the I Love Seville show. On Tuesday, I explained to all that were watching and listening to our Fine and Fair talk show that banning homestays, short-term rentals, and Airbnbs within the city was a terrible idea. That on Tuesday night, the planning commissioners and the counselors who watched the program decided we were right. And now homestays, short-term rentals, and Airbnbs are back on the table, albeit in more policed fashion. On today's talk show, we're going to talk about Hogwaller Brewing Company opening on High Street. Today's their first day, Judah. We'll talk about Superfly Brewing opening on the near horizon on (coughs) Preston next to Shenandoah Joe's. I'm excited for these entrepreneurs, these business folks, and their commitment to craft beer. There's no bigger fan of craft beer in this community 
than yours truly. I love Three Notch. I love Star Hill. I love South Street. I love Random Row. I love Decipher. I love Blue Mountain. I love Pro Renata. Heck, we had the Pro Renata guys, and we championed their success on Wednesday show. I'm excited for the future of craft beer. I also asked the question, when do too many breweries start having a detrimental impact on the industry in totality? I want to take a look at the University of Tennessee and the University of Virginia, a contest that will be nationally televised on ABC. The Vols are a 28-point favorite. If you go to ESPN.com right now, you will see that the University of Virginia is in the lead slot, Judah. Hmm. The lead slot of ESPN.com, one of the most traffic websites in the world. ESPN is covering the return to football and how the team will navigate the emotional collateral damage of three of its players shot and killed last year by a former student athlete. Warrior AG, I'm going to get to your tweet. In fact, Warrior AG, I'm going to retweet it and say, read this. Love you, Warrior, Warrior AG. You're going to love this show. I want to weave Judah Wickhauer into the mix on a two-shot. I sincerely mean he's become a valuable component to this program. Ginny Hu, thank you for the retweet. We're very grateful for you as well, Ginny Hu. Let's get to the topic, the lead of the show. This would be on the front page of the newspaper, and we're the 2023 version of the newspaper here for Central Virginia. This would be above the fold. The Atlantic Coast Conference, UVA President Jim Ryan, and his colleagues within the ACC have voted to expand the Atlantic Coast Conference by adding three teams, Stanford, Cal, and Southern Methodist University. This will bring the ACC to 18 members. 17 of them will play football full-time in the league. The additions are in all sports and will begin in the 2024-2025 school year. The vote was a tight one. The ACC needed 12 of 15 votes to expand the league. In a straw poll more than three weeks ago, four ACC schools dissented or voted against expansion. Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, and NC State. In a vote on Friday, earlier today, NC State flipped NC State and the Wolfpack were one of the schools that said, no, we don't want to expand the league three weeks ago. And today, NC State said, yes, let's expand the conference. And by the Wolfpack out of Raleigh changing their minds, the ACC is now an 18-member conference. It is now bi-coastal with Stanford and Cal, obviously in the state of California. It now includes the Dallas, Texas market with Southern Methodist University. And perhaps most importantly, it reinforces and fortifies the ACC as a Power Five conference for years, if not decades, to come. 
an 18-member team, an 18-member league that's bi-coastal, that welcomes the Dallas market, and is now, top to bottom, a damn good football, basketball, and an Olympic sport conference. I want to look at this not just from a sports standpoint, but from an economics standpoint, from a quality of life standpoint. I want to look at this from what this will do to housing prices. I want to look at this from a layman's, from an insider, from an aficionado, from an average Joe and average Sally standpoint. One of the best parts of having Judah Wickhauer, and if you want to go to the two shot here, within the uh, talk show is a valued perspective. You and I are into two very different things. Our hobbies and interests are very different. I'm big into sports. I'm big into entrepreneurship, business, mm-hmm. and real estate. You are interested in those topics, but that is not necessarily your passions. Yeah. Your passions are reading, movies, philosophy, problem solving. And our two different mindsets are quite complementary. You've seen it over 13 years of working here. And I think it's made the program even better, weaving you into the mix. So I'm going to start by asking you, since you don't follow sports, and many of our viewers and listeners don't follow sports, Judah. Yeah. What's some of the questions you may have? And I'll try to answer them. My background in broadcasting out of the University of Virginia was sports writing, sports television, sports radio. This is my passion. So there's three new teams in the ACC, mm-hmm. Cal, Stanford, and Southern Methodist University. Where would you like to begin? I mean, that's tough. I don't really know anything about it. Uh, where is uh, Southern Methodist University? Because the other two are both California University. Obviously, Cal is. And uh, for those that don't know, Stanford is uh, a California school as well. Southern Methodist University is in Dallas, Texas. Okay. I mean, the big question I would think for anyone out there who's also not a uh, sports geek, uh, why why should we care? Like, what is uh, what's the big deal about this? Why uh, you know why would somebody that's not that doesn't care about California sports or uh, the ACC in general, uh, you know, why should we give this a second thought? Great question. Great place to start. We care because the ACC, if it had not have expanded, was in a risky proposition Hmm. of potentially crumbling or losing some of its key members. Key members as in teams? As in schools. For example, Florida State University, Florida State's brass, its decision makers, were barking they were bitching, they were moaning that the ACC was not generating the revenue that the Southeastern Conference was Hmm. or that the Big Ten and Big 12 was, which are rival athletic conferences. And Florida State University was saying, we're going to leave. We need more TV money. We need more revenue tied to sports, and we're not getting it in the ACC. 
So we're going to get the hell out of here and potentially explore other opportunities because we need that money to expand our football facilities, our locker rooms, our weight rooms, our stadium, so we can compete for national championships. So, so the ACC had to add additional members to get a larger pool, a larger reach from a TV market, from a radio market, and needed to add additional members to keep the league intact. So it was like a chess play. You had a bunch of schools on a chessboard. So adding them is not going to, is adding them going to prevent schools like FSU from leaving? Florida State now has less of a reason to leave. Because? Because it gets a larger amount of money every year. How would it get a larger amount of money if, does the ACC pay all the schools to be involved? The television networks do. And by adding the Stanford, California, Los Angeles, California, and Dallas area television markets Hmm. to the football schedule, it's got a larger broadcasting footprint. And because it has a larger broadcasting footprint, as Chad Wood called it, the all-coast conference now, as opposed to the Atlantic Coast Conference, they now get more reach, eyeballs, fans, following. And that larger reach, this is a concept you know. more ad revenue. That larger reach brings in more ad revenue. And makes the network more interested in, in, in sharing that ad revenue because it's a joint venture. ESPN, which has the ACC contract, is interested now more than ever, especially as ESPN is being commoditized left and right. It's dying the, the death of a thousand cuts. Why is ESPN dying the death of a thousand cuts? Probably like any type of news service, there's just uh, not people aren't using TV. Uh, and they may be, I don't know, I don't know where you watch sports. I don't, is, there, is there a particular streaming service that does sports now that, streaming. Uh, now that nobody's, uh, nobody's watching TV anymore? Streaming, exactly. Who watches SportsCenter anymore when you can get your news and digestible 60-second clips on Instagram? Who watches the local news here in Charlottesville when it's 22 minutes of content, 15 and 30 seconds allocated per news story, when you can get that content anytime you want in long form on the I Love Seville show. Who's going to sit in front of a cow, in front of a box on a couch for an appointment television at 6 p.m. and at 11 p.m. for news that is being regurgitated from press releases by 22 and 23-year-olds? Yeah. When they can sit on a Peloton or listen in their car mm-hmm. or walk around town streaming the I Love Seville show, and get the content in much greater depth. So the ESPN network, like any network out there, is trying to do whatever it can to attract eyeballs and retain them. Because when they attract and retain eyeballs, they could do what? They can make money. Monetize them. It was paramount that the conference stop being regional, East Coast, except for Notre Dame, and become national. And as Chad Wood said, you now have an all-coast conference. Let's go to Deep Throat on Twitter. Viewers and listeners, shape the show. Offer your thoughts. Viewers and listeners like Chad Wood, 
like Ginny Hu, like Deep Throat, like Warrior AG, like Dylan's Rule, like Holly Foster, Lisa Costello, Scott Aaronworth, Bill McChesney, are as much a part of the show as you and I. And that's what we want. Mm-hmm. Warrior AG says this, it definitely is not your daddy's ACC anymore. The ACC will implode as soon as Florida State and Clemson head to greener pastures of the SEC. This is more false hope for a false commissioner who fell behind other conferences while sitting idle on his hands in Greensboro. That's from Warrior AG, Albert Graves. Chad Wood agrees with Warrior AG. This is just a Band-Aid until they can get out of their TV deal with ESPN in 2027. Then the ACC will be history. I'm not necessarily buying that. And why I'm not buying that is for a number of reasons. I think Clemson's going to contend for national championships. And if you're Clemson, why would you leave the ACC and head to the Southeastern Conference when you would be facing much stiffer competition? When you're Clemson and Dabu Sweeney in the ACC, you're playing softer conference schedule, which will help you stay unblemished and undefeated until postseason time in the NCAA. And you have to stay undefeated, maybe one loss, if you'd like to play for titles. Clemson's path to a national championship is much easier in the ACC than it would be in the SEC. Same goes for Florida State, who's trying to recreate the magic that Bobby Bowden had with Charlie Ward, with Warwick Dunn, with Peter Warwick, just to name a few. I'm also not buying that the ACC is going to implode because of the academic standards within the conference. Stanford, UNC, Duke, Notre Dame, Cal. These are some of the best academic institutions in America. And by galvanizing these academic institutions in one conference, not only do you have athletic excellence, but you have academic excellence as well. Take a look at Stanford. Stanford legitimately is one of the best athletic departments top to bottom when it comes to parity. They routinely are in the top five, if not the top three, for the Sears Cup. You know what the Sears Cup is? No. It's an award that determines the strength of an athletic department from top to bottom. Not just football and basketball, but Olympic sports as well. Hmm. If you look at the award that analyzes and studies who are the best schools with, academic, with athletic excellence top to bottom... Stanford and UVA and UNC are routinely atop the list. So there was a strategic partnership done. This was chess. Deep throat, I'm going to your comments next. James Watson, I'm going to get to your comment here in a matter of moments. James Watson, I 1,000% agree with what you just said, James Watson. You said it better than I had. Scott Thorpe, I'm going to get to your comment here in a matter of moments. I got a newspaper and a TV station watching us on the feed right now. Aaron King, hello. Logan Wells Claylo, hello. Aaron King, did everything work out with housing? Did you and Rick find what you were looking for? Um, please let me know. You got strategic partnerships here. They pick three schools that prioritize academic excellence, 
and three schools that prioritize an athletic department from top to bottom, not just football and basketball. Mm -hmm. You got three schools in strategic media, TV, and radio markets, Dallas area, Los Angeles, and Stanford. You got three schools that prioritize academic excellence. They're not just diploma mills. The ACC is all about a brand, and that brand is academic excellence, top to bottom, athletic parity and priority, and wealth. James Watson, you said it beautifully. The ACC tapped into Silicon Valley. That's an extremely wealthy fan base. In a matter of minutes, I'm going to tell you of what this is going to impact Judah's quality of life, my quality of life, and you, the viewer and listeners, quality of life, your home values, and the potential economic development associated with this merger. What's happened here is a joint venture, a merger. We basically have, for lack of better phrase, some significant Fortune 500 companies with billions and billions and billions at their disposal within their endowments. And they're playing chess, doing joint ventures and mergers to try to select or try to create the best financial outcome for their respective brands. This is like two banks merging, two retail juggernauts merging. I 1,000% agree with James Watson. By adding Cal and Stanford, you're getting Silicon Valley and the alumni that matriculate, I'm going to try to add it in every show, through Cal and Stanford. I think you actually used it correctly there. I did use it correctly there. It's becoming a spoof or a meme or a joke now. Mm -hmm. By adding Silicon Valley, you get the next generation of technology CEOs, of founders, the next generation of app developers. Interested in the ACC. AI developers, data geniuses, the Davids of the world that are studying Algebra 2 trig as 11-year-olds through software in Houston. It's an inside joke that I'll leave it at that. Let's go to Deep Throat. He says, SMU, well, UVA has found a peer in terms of institution that is pretty and rich as itself. UVA is a screamingly low Pell Grant percentage of 12%, but SMU has UVA beat by 11%. He also says SMU is not just in Dallas, but in very posh and Tony Highland Park. Stanford's at 20% and Berkeley at 25% with the Pell Grant percentage. He's got a couple of questions for us. So here's the question, fellas. Does the TV contract with the ACC change due to the addition of the teams? I thought the contract was locked in for some absurdly long time, and that was one of the problems the ACC faced. Second question. How the heck do the student athletes deal with having to travel cross-country several, several times in a season? That's a great question. I want to get to cross-country travel first. The way the football team travels and the way the men's basketball team travels is extremely different than how the squash team travels. The way Tony Elliott's program travels and the way Tony Bennett's team travels is very different than how George Geldovach 
or Steve Swanson's team travels. One of the unfocused aspects of this story, the non-revenue sports, softball, squash, swimming and diving, hell, lacrosse and soccer, they are going to put so much stress on their student-athletes. These student-athletes now are going to be taking red-eye flights to go from Cho or Richmond to fly to Stanford and Los Angeles, LAX. You've made that trip. I don't... How, how long is the trip to Cali on a plane? Uh, it's been a while, but it's usually like, uh, I mean, you've got to take into account layovers, but let's say eight or nine hours. Right. A hell of a lot further than just flying up and down the eastern seaboard. Yeah. From Coral Gables to Notre Dame and to I Charlottesville. I don't know when the last flights out of Charlottesville are, but you definitely have to catch a flight somewhere else to get a red-eye flight. The non-revenue sports are going to feel the brunt of this. Their student-athletes, the marginalized ones that are pursuing athletics as a gateway to a potential academic scholarship or a subsidy to their um, tuition. 99% of college athletes will never turn professional in the sport they play. Those athletes who are pursuing a passion, a JP Tool of Cincinnati who may play number one on the squash team, these guys are now going to be playing traveling much further than they ever have. And they are, now they're going to have the difficulty of 30 to 40 to 50 hours a week of sports along with this kind of travel. Mm-hmm. Deep Throat says, by the way, there is no direct flight from Richmond to LAX or SFO, right. even from Richmond. It's yeah. absolutely brutal for these student athletes now. Oh, yeah. I've never gone. <clears throat> Any time I've flown to California, it was always uh, at least two layovers. Thank you, James. SFO, not LAX. Go ahead, Judah. And sometimes three. And yeah, it can be brutal. So imagine... Especially if you've got an hour and a half, two hours each each layover, and you've got two or three layovers. I mean, that could be five or six hours of just sitting in, in airports. And just like that, the travel becomes 20 hours. Imagine playing a game on a Sunday afternoon... If you're a UVA softball player, mm-hmm. you're a UVA softball player on a scholarship that's not even full scholarship because they don't get full ones. For example, the lacrosse team, a team that contends for national championships. A lot of people don't realize this. The men's lacrosse team, the women's lacrosse team, they contend for national championships. They don't have scholarships offered for every player's. They have a select amount of scholarships. They give their best one or two players like, Con- like Connor Schellenberger, the best lacrosse player in the country, arguably, on UVA's roster. He's on a full scholarship. He went to St. Anne's Belfield Academy. His, his, his mother, a fantastic realtor locally with Loring Woodruff. He's on a full ride. The... 90% of the other guys, 95% of the other guys on the roster are on a sliver or partial scholarship. They're playing lacrosse because it's a passion. 
These guys could play in a lacrosse game on a Sunday in L.A. or in Stanford yeah. and then have class on Monday morning at 8 a.m. Right. So you go from a 4 p.m. lacrosse game on a Sunday to an 8 a.m. class on a Monday morning. Mm-hmm. How's that going to work? I mean, even just flying that, uh, you know, that quickly across country is brutal. It's I, brutal. I did, it for my, uh, I did it for my grandfather's funeral. Flew out uh, and uh, flew out and I think flew back in like uh, a day or two later. I think I was only there for like a day, day and a half. And uh, uh, the flight back was, I, I was ready to smash the window open to get some fresh air. It was horrible. And if you're doing that on a regular basis. On a regular uh, basis for an entire season. And then you got to get up and, and go to class the next day. Ouch. There you go. Chad Wood, commercial. The non-revenues, commercial. James Watson says, maybe Google or Apple will buy these schools a plane. And he says, I'm sure the schools are, are thinking about travel realities. <clears throat> Aaron King, that's great news. I'm, I'm very appreciative, I'm very willing to help. And I can't wait to have you and Rick in Charlottesville. Cold beers and cold beverages soon. Kevin Yancey says, Chestnut Hill, Boston College to Stanford? That is a brutal flight. Kevin Yancey also says, I bet you see a couple, of, I bet you see a capital expenditure for a couple of UVA jets. Out of that $14 or $15 billion endowment, there's the mayor of Waynesboro providing value for the show. Albert Graves, Warrior AG, these power conferences are forming not to raise their IT enrollment, but to build their football brands. So much truth to that. They legitimately are putting money and brand over student-athlete experience and quality of life. Who else does that? Who else puts money and brand over low on the totem pole quality of life? I'm not. Publicly traded company, you say it all the time, profits over people. Oh, Amazon? Everything that's happening with the merger of the ACC with the addition of Cal, Stanford, and Southern Methodist University is profits over people. Hmm. We want to make money. We want the LA market. We want the Highland Park market. We want the Dallas market. We want the Silicon Valley market. Who gives a, a duck, quack, 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 about the softball first baseman or the lacrosse short sticker or the number eight guy on the UVA squash ladder? Let's let them suffer with the cross-country flight as long as we get money. Profits over people. Yeah. Capitalistic American society we live upon. And within. Now, I don't want to just make this all about sports. Because there's a sports show in our newspaper, and it's called The Jerry and Jerry Show. It airs Tuesdays at 10.15 a.m. on this network. The I Love Seville shows the front page. i got to be mindful of the content that's on the front page. How is this merger, this joint venture of basically businesses with 14, 15, $16 billion endowments. Let's see, what is the Stanford University endowment? I'm going to look it up. 
Jesus. You know what Stanford universities? I want you to do this. You look up University of California law. You, you, you look up Cal's endowment. Cal's endowment. California University endowment. That's what I want you to look up, okay? And then I also, also want you to look up Southern Methodist University's endowment, okay? So two things, Cal's endowment, California University, and Southern Methodist University endowment. I'm going to look up Stanford's endowment. Stanford's endowment, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, viewers and listeners of all shapes and sizes, is $36.3 billion, with a B, dollars. That's, of, that's as of August 31st of last year. Thank you, Deep Throat. I'm going to get to this. You're making the show better. Stanford's endowment, $36.3 billion, Judah. Deep Throat says SMU's endowment is $2 billion, and yeah. he's actually presented to the SMU endowment board. There's a viewer and listener of this talk show that has presented before the endowment board of SMU. What's Cal's endowment? Did you find that? Uh, let's see. The general endowment pool stood at $18.2 billion as of June 30th, 2022. That's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing much higher than that. Yeah. I'm also seeing... Uh, Maybe that's a particular. It's that's their general endowment pool, uh, but it's total a, endowment assets were twenty eight billion as of June thirty of twenty twenty two. You see that? Let's uh, see Southern. I also see uh, UC UC's investment. UC's investment assets closed fiscal year at one hundred fifty two billion. But that might not oh, be, we got a little bit of clarity there that from might deep, not be in endowment. A little bit of clarity from Deep Throat. That could be all of the UC schools that you're reading. Uh, could be, yeah. My point is this: you're adding super wealthy schools to the mix. Mm-hmm. So, with super, how did these schools get super wealthy? Uh, by graduating people that go on to become super wealthy and give lots of money to the school. Okay, take it a step further. These schools are graduating super wealthy people that give money to the school. Yeah. These super wealthy people that give money to the school, take it a step further, what happens next? They're Uh, giving money to the school so they clearly support the school. If they support the school, what may they do? I I don't know. they They may travel to support the school that they give money to. Okay. If they travel to support the school they give money to, these super wealthy folks, and they travel and visit Charlottesville, what may they see? Uh, Monticello? <laughs> I don't know. They will see what we see and why we live here. Okay. They will see Blue Ridge Mountains, hiking, downtown mall, music, food. Restaurants, quality of life. Every single reason we live here. Why do we live here? We have a city in Charlottesville 
that is cosmopolitan and has world-class amenities? Mm, I don't know about that. We'll agree to disagree. I can assure you, you're in the minority. <laughs> it was literally named the number one place to live in America on multiple occasions. Okay. That doesn't really mean that it's got world-class amenities. That was one of the criteria for being named the number one place to live in America by those okay. that gave it that distinction. The phrase they used in describing Charlottesville, the place to live in America, number one place to in America, was cosmopolitan with world-class amenities. And they highlighted breweries, vineyards, wineries, hiking, mountains, restaurants, music. Corn Capshaws turned Charlottesville into one of the best music scenes ever. A few days ago, Bush was playing on the downtown mall. This is Gavin... Gavin Rosdale? Gavin, Gavin Rosdale, after sweaty, after finishing a show and being absolutely sweaty, was seen on the downtown mall boozing. That's red light management and Corn Capshaw's impact. Dave Matthews Band's going to play a couple shows here. Who hasn't seen Kenny Chesney play here? James Taylor play here. B.B. King play here. We got music venues everywhere. Hiking trails everywhere. Award-winning breweries everywhere. Charlottesville, Albemarle County, and Central Virginia are now the Napa Valley of the East Coast. The Napa Valley of the East Coast. We have what's either number one, number two, or number three, the top public university in, in, in America. Top public universities. Listen to this. Get ready for this, ladies and gentlemen. U.S. News and World Report. This is so exciting to me. I love connecting, connecting with you guys through the I Love Seville Network. I effing love you guys so much. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Top public universities in America. University of California, Berkeley. Now in the ACC. That's number one. 2022-2023 U.S. News World Report. Top public university in America, according to the, the Bible that ranks these schools, number one is in the ACC. Number two is UCLA. Number three is University of Michigan. Number four is the University of Virginia here in Charlottesville. Two of the top four public universities in America are in the all-coast conference. That's four. Five is Florida. Six is Chapel Hill. Three of the top six public universities, top in America, are in the ACC. Three of the top six. Okay. Then you have... God, a lot of people don't realize this. William & Mary is in the top ten. I'll give you the top ten right here. William & Mary is in Williamsburg. UCAL, Berkeley, ACC, one. UCLA is two. University of Michigan is three. UVA is four. So that's two of four. Write down two of four. Two of four. University of Florida, Gainesville is five. UNC Chapel Hill is six. Write down three of six. Three of six. University of California, Santa Barbara is seven. University of California, Irvine is eight. University of California, San Diego is nine. University of California, Davis is 10. University of Texas, Austin is 11. University of Wisconsin is 12. University of Illinois, Urbana 
is, thir- is, is 13. William and Mary, excuse me, is 14th. William and Mary is 14th. Georgia Tech is 15th. So what number was the last that I told you? Three of six? They have four of the top 15 in the ACC. Who does? The ACC has four of the top 15 top public universities in America. Okay. Ohio State is 16. Georgia 17. Purdue 18. FSU is 19. Five of the top 19 are in the ACC. You have the best and brightest and smartest and soon-to-be wealthiest, most influential, and most powerful students out of five of the top 19 universities graduating, matriculating, matriculating out of these schools. I think matriculating is joining. They are going to then come to Charlottesville for game days. And they are going to see what we see. And a portion of them are going to make this their home. Not a large majority, but some. You're also going to have these three schools bringing their fan bases on many different game days, not just football and basketball. Remember, I told you these schools have academic and athletic parity across the board. This is going to fill up hotel rooms. This is going to put butts in the seats in restaurants, butts in the seats at music music venues, sell widgets off shelves, Glasses of Merlot and Pinot Noir will be pounded. The academic, athletic, financial impact of this is at levels of significance I don't think we truly understand. It's going to be to the benefit of small businesses, but to the detriment of affordability. It's going to be to the benefit of the economy, but perhaps to the detriment of first-time buyers. And speaking of economic development, I touched base with a couple of my friends elected and those that work within Louisa County. One of the electeds has been on this program in the past. Amazon Web Services confirmed by within local government of Louisa will become one of the largest private sector employers in the county with hundreds of new jobs created. The elected also indicated to me that along with the direct hundreds of new jobs, there will be the indirect of just as many new jobs created with businesses associated with servicing and or cherry picking and or springboarding off of AWS. The elected I spoke with said, we don't necessarily expect these folks to live in the county, nor do we necessarily expect them to spend their money in the county. He believes that Spring Creek, the gated community right off the interstate by Lowe's and Walmart, Spring Creek Golf Course, Spring Creek Golf Club, he believes Spring Creek is going to pop 20 to 30% in value over the next 24 months Hmm. and continue to escalate. 
He believes that is where the majority of the value appreciation will happen at Spring Creek. He also believes that this is going to greatly impact Albemarle County the most. His exact words, Louisa and Albemarle are so close together, and if you look at the Central Virginia region, the housing stock is in Albemarle. That's where you're going to see the greatest ripple effect. He does not see it impacting Charlottesville as much. I can get from Keswick, horse country, to Louisa in 15 minutes. I can get from Keswick, horse country, the area of sensibility and reasonability to Louisa County in less than 15 minutes. Albemarle County is going to see the greatest impact. Spring Creek is going to see significant impact. The largest aggregation of housing in Louisa is Spring Creek. Think about what has happened in Central Virginia in the last five to six months alone, okay, J-Dubs? Mm-hmm. <coughs> in the last five to six months alone. Jeez, Louise. How about we just talk about what's happened in Central Virginia since May? Since May. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for this? Since May of this year, we have seen Almoral County. Hold on one second so I can give you the exact acreage and money. Since May 24th, 2023. <coughs> so June, July, August. And the last three months and one week. In the last 100 days, Almoral County has announced that it's going to acquire 462 acres of land off Route 29 and call it Rivanna Station, adjacent to Rivanna Station. Those 462 acres, Almoral County's Board of Supervisors have approved or it's under study under study now, excuse me, to spend $58 million of taxpayer dollars to acquire 462 acres. Supervisor Donna Price said on this talk show, in that seat right there, this is the greatest economic development impact that Almoral County has ever seen since the construction and development of the University of Virginia. Hmm. I'll say that again. The chairwoman, I love you, Donna Price. Donna Price, are you watching the program? Donna, are you watching the program? Someone contact Donna Price. Someone text Donna Price right now. Someone give Donna Price some props. Is this camera on me right here? Yeah. I love you, Donna Price. You're the kind of person I want to be around. I love your energy. I love your charm. I love your charisma, your chutzpah. I love how you get stuck. I got to stop using profanities. I love how you get stuff done. And that chair right there, she said this is the most significant economic impact since the creation of the University of Virginia for Alpha County. That was on May 24th. <clears throat> we also had, yet yeah, two days ago, Amazon Web Services say it was going to do an $11 billion infusion into Louisa that was going to create hundreds of jobs. Yeah. 
And then an elected official said he expects an equal amount of indirect jobs to be associated with that $11 billion infusion. Yesterday, and he's watching the program right now, I'm not going to blow up your spot. My word is my bond. Anyone who watches this program, I, I see you watching. He sends me a message saying a Fortune 500 company is coming to a portion of the Sears building in Fashion Square Mall. I then take that information, I contact somebody else in the know and said, I have heard the same thing. In the last 100 days, I would not be surprised if we've gotten, call it 400 with Louisa and $11 billion Amazon Web Services. I don't know how many jobs are going to be created from this 462 acres at $58 million, but Donna Price said it was the greatest economic impact since the creation of the University of Virginia, and she's not one to exaggerate. Now a Fortune 500 company coming to Fashion Square Mall, and we haven't even talked about Paul Manning Biotech, $100 million donation, and Joffrey Woodruff's Data Science School, $180 million kick from Joffrey to the University of Virginia. I said this the other day. I don't think anyone's had more influence or economic impact on the University of Virginia since Thomas Jefferson besides Joffrey Woodruff. $180 million donated to the University of Virginia. That's a hell of a lot of money, right? No doubt. To his alma mater. Mm -hmm. The most influence and impact someone has had since Thomas Jefferson on UVA is that man right there. I think you probably have in the vicinity of Deep Throat. What do you think the number is? How many new jobs do you think have been, if we know it's 400 jobs roughly is what the elected official in Louisa said, Deep Throat. We said, the University of Virginia said two to 3,000 new jobs. Can you write these numbers down? Because I'm going to need them here. 400 new jobs for Louisa. UVA is already on record saying two to 3,000 new jobs for the, ball, the Paul Manning $100 million Biotech Institute. So right, let's call it 2,500. Let's split the difference. So you got 400 plus 2,500. How many at Rivanna Station? How many new jobs do you think are going to come from Rivanna Station? Anyone? Why don't we just do a conservative number? We know that the defense sector has a 1.2 billion with a B yearly economic impact. And we know retired Colonel Letty Bean, who sent me the nicest thank you card. Can you go to the studio camera real quick? This is the thank you card right here. You read it, right? Yeah. You got a mention, mention in this from retired Colonel yeah. Letty Bean. Yeah. And so did your dog, Liza. Yeah. And she used a smiley face. Right. Why not? It's Liza. We know that Letty Bean said on our talk show that the $1.2 billion economic impact was conservative and low, and it's much higher, but we wanted to use conservative numbers in our analysis. Mm -hmm. So you got... 400 new jobs at Amazon, 2,500 new jobs, biotech. I have no idea how many new jobs with the Department of Defense in this 462 acres at $58 million. I have no idea. Maybe we call it 500, and that's conservative. You know what? I'm going to call it, I'll call it 250. 
let me call it 250 to be really conservative. So 2,900 plus 250, Fortune 500 company coming to the area, Sears, Sears spot, why don't I call that, let's do really conservative and say that Fortune 500 company is going to create, I'm going to be really conservative, 100 new jobs, that's way low. Data science school, I already know that the estimate's somewhere between three and 4,000, direct and indirect. So let's call it 3,500. That right there is 9,000 incremental new jobs. 9,000 incremental new jobs. Deep six figures. People outside the area. You know how many active listings are in the car footprint, Charlottesville, Almore Association, Charlottesville Area Association of Realtors right now? How many active for sale listings are? Uh, did we say 44? 44! Do the math for me. 9,000 new jobs, and there's 44 houses active for sale right now. How is that going to work, Judah? I think some people are going to be bunking together. No, seriously, how is that going to work? If you have 9,000 people coming in with Scrooge McDuck bags of gold, spitting gold coins out of their mouth, mm -hmm. and swimming in them, and there's 44 houses for sale right now, how is that going to work? I think they're going to pay me an awful lot for my house. You're sitting on stacks, dog. Stacks. You're sitting on stacks. How's that going to work? Then you got Silicon Valley, Berkeley and Stanford, Highland Park and Dallas coming here dozens of times throughout the year, falling in love with the area. Mm-hmm. You are looking at Charlottesville and Almoro County becoming a hybrid of Silicon Valley meets Austin, Texas. Silicon Valley meets Austin, Texas meets Greenwich, Connecticut. If you want to figure out what Charlottesville and Almoro County are going to be, it's Silicon Valley had sex with Austin, Texas, had sex with Greenwich, Connecticut, and birthed a child. And that child's name, Charlottesville and Almora. Silicon Valley, Austin, Texas, and Greenwich, Connecticut had a menage a trois and birthed two children and decided to name those children Charlottesville and Almora. There you go. That's what just happened. We'll get to your comments. Put your comments in the feed. Put your comments in the feed. Put your comments in the feed. Viewers and listeners, we want you guys to be the stars of the show. Judah and I just want to be the conductors of your crowdsourced content, the chefs of your ingredients. We just want to be the architects of your vision. John Blair watching the program on LinkedIn. John Blair, the show is better when you're watching. John Blair, did you enjoy the Wednesday show with Stanton, with uh, Pro Renata? John Blair, I think Stanton is about to be the, one of the stiffest competitions for Charlottesville, Virginia, with everything that you have to offer. I will mention this comment on air.
John Blair says this, Jerry, fun fact, the Pac-12 does not sponsor field hockey. Stanford and Berkeley are in the American East for field hockey already. I did not know that. It's a good fun fact right there, JB. I'm getting a text message from a prominent developer. Jerry, per usual, please don't know my name. Please don't use my name. Per usual, I find myself listening to your show. And per usual, you're spot on. This is exactly why I've committed to try to build housing in this community and exactly why I'm frustrated with how City Hall and Almaro County keep me from building the housing that I want. Please realize there are some of us that are trying to solve this problem. And please realize there are folks in this community that are keeping it from being solved. Keep doing you, Jerry. Keep being you. And keep keeping us on our toes. Much love. Carly Wagner has got some comments. When Carly comments, I listen. She says there's 32 acres in Reedy Creek. Is that Pretty Creek? Are you talking Reedy Creek or Pretty Creek? Might be a typo. Is there a Reedy Creek around here? There might be a Reedy Creek. Is there a Reedy Creek, Judah? Or is it Pretty Creek? I don't know. You mean Pretty or Reedy? Reedy or Pretty? There's 32 acres in Reedy Creek for sale. Good potential development for luxury homes in Louisa for these folks. Maybe there is a Reedy Creek in Louisa. Can you see if there's an R-E-E-D-Y Creek in Louisa County? I'm learning from Carly. Carly's in real estate and she's an engineer. Is there an R-E-E? Oh, there is. She says Reedy Creek in Louisa. Thank you, Carly. I'm learning from you literally right now by reading your comments. I had no idea there was a Reedy Creek in Louisa. There's 32 acres in Reedy Creek for sale. Good potential development for luxury homes in Louisa for these folks. She also says, let's wait and see the taxpayers' return on investment on the supervisor land speculation. Nice to be able to land speculate with other people's money. She also says, I don't know, any of, I don't know of any plans for any specific use of the land at Rivanna Station. It's purely speculation. No deals are in the works yet unless publicly announced. Washington, D.C. was in on that orgy <laughs> <laughs> she said she said Washington DC was in on that orgy too the menage a trois that we were talking about with Greenwich Bone in Austin and Bone in Silicon Valley she says throw DC into that orgy as well hmm. I'm so childish I thought that was having hilarious Look at the fundamental difference between me and Judah. He's not even laughing over there. I that. <laughs> I'm laughing hysterically. You don't think that was funny? That was good. <laughs> I'm crying right now. Bill, McCh <laughs> Bill McChesney says... Put Vail, Colorado in the menage a trois as well. You forgot we're a resort community now. <laughs> the menage a trois orgy. 
Judah does not find this funny. He's way more mature than James James Watson says, I wonder if non-money generating sports will play two games matches a week while on the East Coast and leveraging technology for classes. I've actually heard that from two coaches that I see on the regular that if this expansion, this was last week that the coaches told me this. I see them at the boar's head because the UVA coaches often are working out and enjoying quality of life at the boar's head. And they mentioned to me, and I won't use any names, that's how I get the information I get. It's because my word is my bod. <laughs> they said that for in-season, there will be a priority on technology for the students having to make those travel, those types of travel on, on games on the West Coast, yeah. as there should be. But still, doesn't that impact the student life experience? If you're now taking your Ken Elzinga economics class on a tape recorded or, or, or course recorded on screen? I think it depends on the student. This is exactly why Helen Dragas, Board of Visitors, was championing Coursera. Oh my gosh, there's a banker calling me here. Hey there, I need to call you back. I'm live on air, but I want to hear what you have to say. I'll give you a call back, okay? Kevin Higgins and Chad Wood are talking about the Golden Corral in the comments section. Oh, what a surprise. Oh. Albert Graves says, how many of these hundreds of new jobs will be for local, not college educated individuals? You want to tackle that one? How many of the local How many of these new incremental jobs will be for local, not college educated individuals? You want to tackle that? Zero. Not very many. Maybe some with uh, <clears throat> Amazon. Curtis Shaver likes the orgy. <laughs> Just threw the heart emoji out there. Curtis is he's a brother from another mother over there. Love you, Curtis. Um, what? I'll throw this to. What? What is a what is a local? And, and I'm going to be very straightforward. A, a four-year college degree is not what it used to be anymore. No. Unless it's in an, uh, a specialized line of academia. I mean, if you're a four-year college degree and you're like a data scientist or in biotechnology mm-hmm. or in computer science or in AI, your future is bright. If you're a four-year college degree and it's in religious studies, philosophy, art history, music. Yeah. What are you going to do? Who knows? Seriously, what are they going to do? It's a science, technology, engineering, math, data world. But even those people aren't safe from... uh from the um, uh, profits over people model of... Uh... No one is safe for the profits over people. It's called capitalism. No one is safe for profits over people. I know. That's what I just Zero said. person is safe. And I'm not getting snarkier. There's no one safe. I know. 
No one is safe. Carly says they're going to need maybe bus drivers for these jobs. Jonathan says each of these new employers is going to need some janitors. Yeah. Grayson, watching the program, said, Jerry, on our walk in North downtown, we talked about your pro Renata show. Keep up the good work. And the jobs that these would create for locals with no education, it's called janitorial work. Brian Klein watching the program. All these will be out-of-market hires that further gentrify this community. You've been right all along, Jerry. Neil Williamson, president of the Free Enterprise Forum. A small employer recently told me a four-year degree is important to prove you are trainable. A four-year degree is important to prove you're trainable? So the four-year degree has okay. now become a rite of, rite of passage for training and not for the academia that you study. The four-year degree shows that you were able to do this rite of passage into adulthood, and if you can make it from start to finish, then you're malleable and moldable into whatever position they want. Okay. I would take somebody that is, Carly Wagner says, childcare and the construction workers and trades will be needed for um, these businesses that come to market. Yeah. That's a strong comment. Chad Wood says on a different Facebook page, maybe this isn't the area where we talk about buses and bus drivers. Because <laughs> we have a massive bus driver shortage. Chad Wood. You don't think this stuff is, you don't think it's funny? All right. Albert Graves says, but you were talking just yesterday that the blue-collar worker will migrate to the valley and beyond and leave Charlottesville in the rearview mirror. And no matter how ritzy Seville gets, the city will still need blue-collar workers to do the janitor work. But if they can't afford to live there, they can't work here either. There's so much truth to that. So much truth to that. How can a janitor drive from Buckingham or deep in Augusta County to work at the Fortune 500 company at Fashion Square Mall for $29,000 a year. Seriously. It doesn't seem, uh, <clears throat> doesn't seem like uh, you could get, you'd be getting paid enough to make that work. And they can't pay the janitor 100 Gs because that's going to impact the pay scale of the other employees. I mean, isn't, isn't, that, what, uh, isn't that New York in a, in a nutshell? I mean, pontificate. We, well, we were just uh, we've recently talked about the fact that what uh, was it? One bedroom or two bedroom apartments in New York are currently going for like five thousand dollars. Yes, and people are working there, making how much? One hundred twenty thousand dollars a year, and living at poverty level. I mean, my wife's made that point to me many times, where she was making a bone fifty in two thousand. 15 at Blackstone and had two and three roommates and where they had to take an apartment in her apartment building, Normandy Court. And I question the, in the upper east side. But you say your brother is making 
what a lot and seven hundred eight hundred thousand dollars and you're saying he can't afford like a no he owns a house oh i know he owns a house but culver city los angeles but you've said he okay Deep Throat says the, and this is the kind of stuff that this dude knows, the typical multiplier is somewhere between 1.5 and 1.7 jobs. He thinks that the multiplier effect for Amazon is going to be 1,200 1200 indirect jobs Hmm. from Amazon. He said not all of those are strictly local, but 1,200 indirect jobs created from this. Mm-hmm. He says, in the truly uber-rich places, the big employers have to provide housing to service workers. Teton Village Resort build a bunch of apartment buildings in the Jackson Hole area. A good example of this is the Snowshoe Ski Resort. I learned this from Scott Morris. Scott yeah. Morris said the Snowshoe Ski Resort owns a hotel, and they had to take the hotel offline and that's where they housed the employees who kept the ski resort working. Yeah. They said we, ha- we couldn't, the, the, the employees, we, we didn't have housing in, in the snowshoe area for the people to keep snowshoe ski resort operational. So we literally had to take the property that we owned, the hotel, and convert it into apartments for our seasonal workforce. Yeah. Maybe that's what happens. Maybe that's how the affordability, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Don't let government solve the affordability crisis. Let the free enterprise and the private market and the free market solve your affordability crisis. Yeah. You got beef with that? You no. seem to have beef with that. No, I don't have a beef with that. But, uh, but saying that it works for a, for a community like, uh, like a ski resort where there is a, you know, a singular purpose to the place and it run it's it's almost like a it's almost it's like, like a dorm room it's like a resort i mean it's it is a resort but i mean it's like a, it it's a like a it's like a disneyland or something <clears throat> it is its own entity and that's very different from what charlottesville is so saying that one singular uh, business or or entity is going to uh, is going to provide housing for i don't know it just doesn't seem. Uh, I don't. I don't see that happening. Not in Charlottesville. Speaking of Normandy Court, where my wife lived on the Upper East Side while working for Blackstone, Deep Throat said we used to call it Dorm in D Court, <laughs> as in dorms. Very much so. They. She told me, for affordability purposes, they invited um, another female to live with them, and they put up a fake wall in the living room to convert that into a bedroom yeah. to help for affordability. And it was a wall that was like not an actual wall so you could hear anything that happened on the other side of the wall. And that's where I was like, no, 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 I don't want to hear anymore. No, 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 no. There was no time before me. And it would not go all the way to the top. Not that it would matter if it did. Chad Wood says, it's the story of the haves and have-nots. We are almost two all-haves and no have-nots. This will certainly add to that, yet government will still yell affordable housing, but I digress. It was 100% a warrant of partitions. 100%. I've seen it. I've seen it. 
the longest subway stop was the elevator ride in that building at Dormandy Court. I'll tell her that. Are you watching, sweetheart? Are you watching the show? Let's see if she's watching the program. She watches every single one and then corrects me. Yeah, she's watching. Oh, man, it's 146. Judah, we've hour, gone an hour and 15 minutes without stopping. We have to get to homestays. I want to talk about the influence that we have on the I Love Seville show. Do you take for granted the I Love Seville show influence? Yes. You take for granted? Daily. Even though it seems to potentially have gotten you a date? I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm kind of joking. I don't really take it for granted, but uh, go on. On Tuesday... We talked about the collateral damage of the draft zoning ordinance banning homestays, mm-hmm. Airbnbs, and short-term rentals altogether. And on Tuesday's show, I highlighted the fact that planning commissioners and city councilors were watching us. On Tuesday night, planning commission had a little chitter-chatter. Yesterday, Councillor Michael Payne said, quote, if you just had a blanket ban on homestays, Airbnbs, and short-term rentals, then you would be stopping the people who are living in their home and renting out a unit and being able to help afford their mortgage or property taxes or other expenses they may have. So up until Tuesday at 12.30 when the I Love Seville show was happening, the Planning Commission and City Council were prepared to ban homestays, Airbnbs, and short-term rentals altogether. Then on Tuesday's show, Judah, myself, with the help of Deep Throat, Carly, and a couple of other people, Vanessa Parkhill, you were in the mix. VP, you watching the program, VP? Queen of Earliesville? You out there, Vanessa? We said on Tuesday's show, here's the collateral damage of banning homestays, Airbnbs, and short-term rentals. The families and individuals living on the financial margin who need the granny flats, the basement apartments, forget ADUs. They're renting out like a room in their house. Yeah. Dude, these people are renting out a room in their house or their basement that may have an exit. Yeah. How many houses in Charlottesville actually have ADUs? Very few. So these people are renting out a room in their house for like $150 a night and have strangers traipsing through their house where they live so they can get an extra $150 a night, $150 a night times three or four nights a month. That's $450-$600 a month. That goes a long way. Yeah, that's not bad. Not bad. You still have strangers traipsing through your room. You won't, won't rent one of the rooms in your estate like I've been encouraging you to do because you don't want strangers in your house. And because the, there's one bathroom that connects the two bedrooms. Do Dude, I, are, you, are you kidding me? Get in, you, can get 50, you can get, for what you got, you're going to, all right, I'm not going to get, I'm not being accusatory. I'm telling you, 17 years ago, this is what I did. You can get $1,750 a month for that room. $1,750 a month for that room. You can get an extra 1750 times 12, $21,000 of incremental revenue that you do not have right now, 21 grand per year, with a 5% escalator every year, 21K with the 5% escalator. You can take, I, I'm not 
pretending to call you a sophisticated financial investor. You can take that 21 G's and put it in an index fund or an ETF that I can help you pick out, and you can get a 6 to 8% conservative return on that 21 grand, plus the 5% escalator every single year for raising the rent. This is my... Within five years, you'd have approaching a quarter million dollars for doing nothing. On top of, okay, I'll leave it alone. Yeah. I'll leave it alone. I said on Tuesday's show that if you ban homestays and Airbnbs and short-term rentals, you're going to F people living on the margin. And by Thursday morning, Michael Payne is saying the exact same thing, using the exact words we have on the show. Planning Commission had changed its mind. And now they are saying we may not ban homestays, short-term rentals, and homestays, and uh, Airbnbs, but we will do a better job of policing them. And the type of Airbnbs and homestays and short-term rentals, Judah, that we want to ban are the ones tied to people that don't live in the community. Like Deep Throat said, he's got two houses on a street in a Tony and Posh neighborhood, and that Tony and Posh neighborhood, they're owned by people that don't even live in the community. Who did you say those were owned by? You told me who who they were owned by. People that don't even live in the state running out multi-million dollar houses. Those are the type of short-term rentals and Airbnbs and homestays that you should ban. Mm-hmm. You ban the ones where it's people that just are stacking paper and throttling inventory and throttling resources like roads and infrastructure, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and keeping tax revenue from going to the coffer. He says one is owned by a New York investment banker and his socialite wife. Why is a New York investment banker and socialite wife owning an Airbnb in the city of Charlottesville where they don't live here? The other one lives far out in Almoral County. You ban those. You use the platform he suggested, was it Granicus? 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 To police them. You police the Airbnbs and make sure the people actually live there 180 days a year or more. And you say, you know what? You're just doing this to pay your bills. Those are allowed. But you, New York investment banker and your socialite wife with a lot of Botox, no, 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 no. You can't do that. Put that house back on the market and help, help increase supply. There's only 44 units for sale in car. I mean, isn't that... Uh, isn't that- isn't that uh, the American way? Isn't that what's the American capitalism? way? Capitalism. You're saying certain people can't buy homes and then they can't do with them what they want. I'm not. I'm not saying that I'm. I'm not saying that I'm. A, that I'm against any of that. I. I completely agree that some the of the Ameri- stuff. That some of the stuff is egregious. But at the same time, uh, you know, the American way is allowing the basement apartment or the bedroom on your second floor next to your master bedroom that shares the bathroom with the 
homeowner, the Judas of the world. The American way is allowing those men and women to make an extra $450, $600, a month through short-term rentals. If you airbnb that room, you get a buck fifty a night. And I understand you don't want a stranger living with you at $17.50 a month, but you could probably get five bedrooms, five nights, and let's do conservative, five nights at your casa at that one room at $125 a clip. You can get an extra $625. Yeah. And they're not living there. I understand you still don't want to do that. That's fine. But some people do. The American way in capitalism is not kiboshing that. I, yeah, I, I didn't say it was. But people that are cheating... How, how are they cheating? Because it's against the law. It's against the law to own The law house. legitimately says that you have to live in the house 180 days a year to be okay. able to Airbnb, short-term rental, or homestay. And these folks aren't doing that. All right, well, that's fair. If the law says live there for 180 days and the city is not using a software to police whether the people live there 180 days or not, then maybe it's fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you, or whatever it is. But I don't think taking housing out of the for sale ecosystem or for rent ecosystem by putting in the hands of a New York investment banker who wants a mansion when they come down and visit because they graduated from UVA and they want to say, oh, hey, I have a second property. It's off a of rugby. We used to party over here and pound Natty Light. And now we come back here and look at my cool spot. Come over here, friends. That's just like bragging to brag. Okay. I have no problem with that, Carly Wagner. How, what about the owner that has lived in Charlottesville since, since 1940s, has taken care of their home, has paid it off, and now lives at the beach now? I have no problem if they live at the beach as long as they're spending 180 days at their house in Charlottesville. Neil Williamson says, so property rights should be limited by the amount of Botox use. There you go. That Johnny Ornalis be- says, oh, come on, Judah. Don't you want to walk in on a guy in a boxer's drinking a beer? Yeah. <laughs> Or not be able to use my bathroom before that, I before I go to work because uh, because the, the use the downstairs bathroom. It, all it has is a toilet, Jerry. A toilet and a sink. Go take a poop in the downstairs bathroom. Everyone, Thank you. Okay. Everyone makes their own sacrifices. If you want to say no to a quarter million dollars for doing, it's your call. Everyone makes their own sacrifices. Villas at Southern Ridge for seven years. I had a three-bedroom, two-bath crappy condo. And two of those bedrooms and the same setup as yours, I rented to people. And had to listen to their fornicating, their, their gas, their snoring, their nastiness in the bathroom. And you know what? I did it because it generated 1100 a month in 2008 to 2014 with a 5% escalator every year. And I took that money for the next buy-up, for the next property to buy. To each their own.
it's not rocket scientists, rocket science. It's make sacrifices, save, invest, do it over time, and wealth is built. Everyone's like, well, oh, how'd you get all this real estate? Make sacrifices, save, invest, and keep doing it consistently. Don't go on 10 trips a year. Don't buy a $90,000 luxury car when you don't need it. So Airbnbs are back on the table. Now Michael Payne and City Council and Planning Commission are going to say, we are going to... Oh, is this, is this the Airbnb? A VRBO link just got sent to me. Four bedroom, three and a half bath, Magnolia Hill. Jeez Louise. Magnolia Hill, VRBO. Four bedroom, three and a half bath. This is close to the John Paul Jones Arena. You can rent the four bedroom, three and a half bath house for how much, how much do you think per night? Three bedroom, half. Four bedroom, three and a half baths. This is a beautiful home. How much do you think per night? Where is it? Is this the one on your street, Deep Throat? This is a gorgeous house. This is ridiculous. This is a beautiful home. How much do you think it rents on night per night on Airbnb? It's got a swimming pool. It's got a fire pit in the backyard. How much do you think it rents per night? Where is it? I just told you. It's in the rugby neighborhood. Four bedroom, three and a half bath, one night on Airbnb. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Two thousand. Thousand forty-five per night. One thousand forty-five. Yeah. This is a beautiful home. This is the copy in the home. The copy points. This vacation home is located in Barracks Rugby. This vacation home is located in Barracks Rugby, a neighborhood in Charlottesville. Corner of Barracks and Blue Ridge. Biscuit Run State Park and X Park reflect the area's natural beauty. That's weird for them to write that. Corner of uh, Barracks and Blue Ridge. $1,045 a night. This is the out-of-market investment banker and his... uh, Silicon Botox wife. Not that there's a problem with silicone or Botox. I'm not trying to throw shade at silicone or Botox. I'm not throwing shade at silicone or Botox. Got no beef with that. Thank you. Long story short, they're back on the table. And what they're doing is exactly what we said on Tuesday. They're going to put a software system in place to police it. They're going to ban homestays, Airbnbs, and short-term rentals for people that don't live there 180 days. And for the people that needed to pay their bills, they're going to consider it and allow it. Mm-hmm. Neil Williamson made the point on the Real Talk show this morning that if they change, and, and, and Neil, I don't have the exact verbiage here. You may have to help me with the exact verbiage here, Neil Williamson. If they change the draft zoning ordinance language again, 
because on Monday, in fact, he put it on the comment section of Real Talk. I learn a lot from Neil. He said, on Monday, in pages three through eight, page three through eight in the DZO, Airbnb, short-term rentals, and homestays were completely banned. If they now allow Airbnbs, homestays, and short-term rentals, then they're changing the language, which would require re-advertising everything and extending the window of approval. And if they don't follow these protocols of re-advertising everything, and ex- which would lead to an extension of approval, then they risk exposure for a lawsuit. It's basically what he said. I'm paraphrasing, though, Neil. Expect many lawsuits on the DZO. Chad Wood says... <laughs> Chad Wood says... Dave Ramsey and orgies. This show is wild. <laughs> you guys have a good week. It's PG-13. I, I have to keep it PG-13. I'm getting chastised by my wife because it goes into the rated R category. I have to keep it PG-13 moving forward. PG-13. All right, two other items out of the notebook. It's after 2 o'clock. Good God. All right, we got to... I'm sorry. Why didn't you give me a heads up? Uh, you... Seemed like you were on a roll. Thank you. I don't know Hol- where you're going, but you were on a roll. Hog- Hogwaller Brewing is open today on High Street. With an umlaut like that, it's probably it should be pronounced Hogwaller. Those are the two dots. Yeah, umlaut. You learned it's, it's German. There you go. That was nice, dude. They're you know opening. What's curious though, I uh, I'm. It's technically not Hogwaller. Uh, yeah, well, that is curious. But uh, I was going to say that uh, we were also talking about um, uh, Superfly. They've yeah, Superfly a, on Preston Avenue by Shando Joe's. They've got a. Re- they're not even open yet. They've got a really nice website. You can find out what kind of beers they're going to have. Hogwaller or Hoogwaller has. <laughs> they've got a. They've got an Instagram page with uh, eight posts. I can't find a website. No idea what kind of beer they brew. Well, I have insight on this. This is why you rely on me for this information. Okay. Would Would you like to know the beers that they have? I, I have it right here. So why don't you just so ask me? So you're saying that anybody that wants to know what beers Hoogwaller is is brewing calls you instead of looking for a website. These are the beers that they have on tap. We've become the news. Okay. These are the beers they have on tap. Bingo Lager by Bingo Beer Company. The Dunkel Lager by Von Trapp Brewing Company. Lunch, my main beer company. Peeper by main beer company. Oktoberfest Marzen by Polliner Brewing. And Passion Fruit Mosaic by Potter's Craft Cider. Hmm. Okay. What would be a natural follow-up to that list of beers that I just rattled off? Um, I would like to know what kind of beers some of them are. Uh, 
No. I'd also like to know why all those beers are brewed somewhere else. There is the natural follow-up. And then my response to that is they've had um, ABC's muddled stuff up. And because the ABC's muddled stuff up, licensing delays and issues with the ABC, it's going to be a month and change before they can have their actual beer on tap. They're lucky it's only a month. And they can't delay opening because they have overhead. Yeah. So they're choosing to overhead open with beers from other breweries and just give people the tap room experience. That's cool. So the I'm, lunch by Main Beer, beer uh, Main Beer Company is one of my favorite beers. So they're choosing to open with other people's beers as opposed to stay closed for another thirty plus days and continue staying in the red until they open. Where'd you find their list? It was sent to me. Ugh. They can't put it up somewhere. Would you go to the grand opening of Hogwaller Brewing Company if you knew the beers were not Hogwaller beers? Or is it strategic to keep offline the beers that they're going to have on tap that are not their own beers to get people to still show up to the brewery? I don't know. I'd be less likely to go because I don't know what beers they have. It could be that they or could is be it one of those sp- places that only brews IPAs. Or is it a smoking beers game? Show up. Once you're here, it's a captive audience. We'll pour you a beer. Oh, it's not one of ours. $7, please. I mean, I would prefer to know what I'm going there for. I'd like, okay, you know, I'm going to go there and get a brown, or I'm going to go there and get a porter, or I'm going to go there and get an IPA. Uh, it's, I'm just, you know. Anyway, we, we digress. The, the, yeah. the bigger question we I have digress. is the bigger question I have is this. A lot. Linnell on Twitter says Judas' spare room allows him to host his family, so they don't have to get an Airbnb when they visit. Higher price per square feet means tighter living spaces. Extended family visitors will need more hotels, rentals when they visit Charlottesville. Judas' family lives in Charlottesville, about four miles from his house. As the crow flies. As the crow flies. He doesn't need the spare bedroom to house his family. As the crow is tossed. His parents own a, manch- own a massive house in it's the Urban Ring. a massive house. How many bedrooms do they have in there? Uh, they've got three. Besides theirs? Two. Three total bedrooms? And you got two sisters? Yeah. So I think they got a place to stay at your parents' house. That's four miles from Judas' house as the crow flies. My point with the brewery thing, and then we really have to go because we actually have to do some work here. You and I spent, you're on the clock right now earning pay, sitting in a chair, talking into a microphone about stuff in Charlottesville. Yes, this is my dream. A lot of people would say they would love this job. Sitting in a... $400 $400 chair talking about Charlottesville and a microphone. All right, all right, all right. I'm sorry. I apologize. This is my point with the beer. Hogwaller Brewing Company is going to open. It's open today. It's open I was now. I going to say, they, I th- believe they are open today. It's open right now. Yeah. Superfly Brewery is about to open on Preston Avenue. Mm-hmm. At, one point, at what point do we have too many that just are stealing customers from each other? Uh, seriously. Uh, if you just told there... us about Southern Revere and Louisa. Did you see Southern Revere commented on our posts after we gave them props yesterday? No, I didn't see that. Asking us to come out. I would love to come out. Uh, they, 
And speaking of websites and uh, and showing what you've got, I'm I'm excited about some of the beers that they've got. I guess my point is this: at one at what point do these places just cannibalize their customers? I mean, we know it happened with the. Uh, I, I get what you're saying, and to some extent it's true, but I think there are people that are going to, you know, pick a place, you know, there are going to be people, people that, that love Blue Mountain Brewery, and, uh, and they're just going to, when they want to go to a brewery, they're going to go to Blue Mountain, and there are, I think, uh, I think the biggest, the biggest problem in what, you're, in what you're talking about is probably out of, you know, out of city, out of state people coming to town and having a lot of choices and they got to pick one and they've got to not pick a bunch of others but I guess my point is this this is my point okay we saw it with restaurants we saw it with coffee shops we're certainly seeing it with realtors if you saturate a market it's to the detriment of the market. Yeah. Restaurant saturation is great for the consumer, but not for the sustainability and longevity of the restaurant. Yeah. Realtor saturation is not great for the sustainability or longevity of being a realtor. At what point is that with breweries? Because last I checked, more people eat food than drink beer. You need to eat to live. Do you need to drink beer to live? I mean, my... Seriously. You can have more restaurants in the market because people need food to live. Not everyone drinks. Yeah. And you know what the interesting thing is? The younger demographic, Gen Zers and younger, aren't drinking at the clip that older millennials and older did. Give it time. No, like seriously, they're, <laughs> they're just more educated of the dangers of drinking. With us, it was just like, what's a wahoo? You know what a wahoo is? Uh, it's a type of fish. A fish that can drink twice its own weight. <laughs> is that a UVA joke? Or no, a joke about the actual fish? No, that's what a wahoo is. Oh, should we look it up? Uh, I'm telling you. What's a wahoo? A wahoo. Well, at least I know it's a fish. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a fish that can drink twice its own weight. A wahoo is a fish that can drink twice its weight in water. The fact that this has become UVA's unofficial nickname is not a coincidence, folks. So I was right. Uh, I'm just reading this from... Oahu is this a fish that can drink University twice its weight in water. Yeah, that's from University of Virginia, Hallmarks and Quirks. Wahoos are a fish that can drink twice their weight. Anyway, all right, that's we have to go. To this be, is the longest show we've ever done. That's got to be a joke, right? What? You don't, you don't, you don't see the, the humor in that? Why? Because fishes don't drink water? What is the humor in that? I sincerely don't get what you're saying. Do, do you imagine that fish drink a lot of water? 
I don't know. I say on this program all the time, I know three things. Those three things are business, real estate, and branding. Real estate, business, and branding and advertising, I know as well as anyone in a 300,000 person market. And I guess, so influencing. Four things I do as well as anyone in this 300,000 person market. Outside of that, I'm an idiot. Let's matriculate some ideas over here. <laughs> uh, let me hold on. Uh, I'm gonna start matriculating right now. And uh, get anything? You getting anything? Okay. Do you really think fish drink a lot? I don't know. I'm they just live- telling you what I was brainwashed with at UVA. Somebody out there, I'm, I'm sure... Multiple people are I'm saying sure that's somebody, what it is. Somebody out there gets it, right? Oh, God. All right, we have to go. We have I'm, to work. I'm sure somebody out there gets the humor We have to work. We're almost on the air for two straight hours. Hour and 45 minutes right now. This is the, lo- this is the longest show we've ever done outside of the telethon where we raised $92,000 for the Thomas Jefferson Community Land Trust. Remember that? This is where you're like, how can I forget? How can I forget? Everybody's behind me eating and drinking. Dude, I sat in that chair for nine straight hours without going to the bathroom. You did not. Yes, I did. I did not get out of that chair for nine hours. Okay. Look at the tape. It's documented. Nine straight hours without going to the bathroom. You think I would let anyone at that time of the network do anything on this on live air without me associated with it? Times have changed. All right, we have to go. We have to go. The last topic is the University of Virginia is playing Tennessee, 12 o'clock kickoff, ABC tomorrow. Tennessee is a 28-point favorite. This is going to be a shellacking, a shellacking, 28-point favorite the Vols are. ABC National TV. If you go to ESPN.com, UVA is literally in the lead slot of ESPN.com about returning to football after the death of the three football players last year. All right, that's the show. I think today's show is pretty damn good. Viewers and listeners, if you like today's show, tell us good job or share the show or give us some props in the comments section. Retweet the show, share the show. We, we work hard for you, and the only thing we ask in return is like some kind words in the comments section or a question or something. Good job today, Judah. Excellent work, per usual. I seriously think you're damn good at this. Um, All right, I got to go. We got to make some money. For Judah, I'm Jerry. This is the I Love Seville show on a Friday. We are off air on Monday. Monday, you have a three-day weekend. Three-day weekend for you. I'm going to actually be in the office for four to five hours on Monday, sitting over there. This is the life of a business owner. Um, but that's all she wrote. Anything you want to add or close with? Um, I still can't believe that... Uh, <laughs> You're still pe- talking about the Wahoo? <laughs> it's hilarious. People actually... Okay. Do, does, does everyone out there actually think that fish you know, need, need to drink water to stay, to stay alive, to stay uh, hydrated? I don't know. <laughs> if it's not influencing branding... Business or real estate, I don't know. All right. And, and Bill says, I'm not a, what's this word? See what I'm saying? 
about knowing things? Are you going to slide a slide over here? What's that word? You jump into my shot. I steal your shot all the time. Here. Oh, ichthyologist. What is that? An, ith- an ichthyologist is someone that studies fish. I'm not an ichthyologist. <laughs> I have uh, no idea. I like to eat shrimp. Are shrimp fish? For the sake of this argument, let's say they are. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Can we stop? Sure. An hour and 50 minutes straight without stopping. God. Thank you kindly for joining us. For my friend Judah Wickhauer, my name is Jerry Miller, and this is the I Love Seville show on a Friday. We'll see you on Tuesday. So long, everybody. Have a nice weekend. Ithikiologist? <laughs> An ithikiologist? Ich-the-ologist. Okay. It's like ichthus in the Bible. Thank you.